Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch and Willie Ramirez. It is my guy, Frank Hawkins. It's so out of character for Devontae Adams, and it, it just, it's one of those spur of the moment, boom, boom. On ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a non-issue. If you win, it's definitely a non-issue. If you lose, that gives somebody something to talk about. At the Raiders won, nobody will care. I'm going to tell you a quick two story. Right. Matt Millen, Matt Millen knocked out the owner of the New England Patriots in the tunnel. Uh, Lyle Alzado, we played the New York Jets in New York. They had this big tight, I mean, big defensive, offensive tackle who's the number one pick, just a monster. We got there, got on the field, got dressed. Lyle walked up to him, walked through there stretching uh, exercises, hit the guy right in the freaking mouth. Didn't say one word, turned around and walked back. Owned him the whole game. So the fact that some reporter, he should not have been there. He should have got his butt out of the way, and that's a non-issue. Get out the way. Radio edit. What's going on, guys? Let's throw the flag back again. Over here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook. We're here every single Saturday, 9 to 11. Me, Willie Ramirez, ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. Just breaking down the week in sports, talking about bets, talking about the Raiders, talking about the Knights. There is so much to get to, Willie. And and maybe I'm jumping the gun here. (laughs) But last week, we started off the show, and it was was very apparent, your anger issues. You, you, You have a little... You have yeah, a little bite to you. Well, it's and it's it's carried over because I got to the Golden Knights game the other night, and just about the first period, I hear this, Willie! I look back, and my girl, Lindsay, she goes, why are you so angry? So it's it's becoming very apparent. Why, what were you doing at the Knights game that made Lindsay call you out for anger? Well, because she's hearing it on the show because JBT oh, brought it up on okay. the show. I thought maybe you were just sitting there stewing at the Knights game. Somebody's frying an egg on your head. You're just angry, but no. no. Okay, we're just talking about. If I'm at the Knights <laughs> game on press row, sitting next to my guy Danny, sitting right down from my girl Lindsay, I'm in a better mood. We're just talking about you uh, airing out your anger uh, publicly on the yeah. radio yeah. for all to hear and misconstrue. Well, it's kind of like talking about mental health issues. We all have anger issues. Okay. You got to talk it out. But not only do you wear your anger uh, on your sleeve, you also wear it on your chest, apparently, because you have a sweatshirt that says dog mentality across the chest. And, I, you know, you're at the gym all the time. It's like usually like when I get angry, when I get worked up, I also like to exercise. I like to get it out. But you're at the gym all the time. You're a swole dude. <laughs> this, is, this is actually our, uh, our, our apparel. Okay. Uh, at our gym, the perfect gym that uh, that my son owns. So this was his. Uh, this is his drop. One of his sweatsuit drops that was very popular last year. Okay. Um, so of course I, you know, and I, I have so many clothes. That, so I, mine's in good. Like I still have this one and the black version in plat in seren- like plastic, like in the would have come the packaging. Yeah. I have another set for this winter. So I wore this just because, number one, it's, you know, I love wearing hoodies. And number two, uh, yesterday was my two-week weigh-in with Jordan. Okay. Because he started he – re, we restarted the program. And, yeah, now Because he addressed my anger issues. And, and you, said, we, we, need to, we need to work on a bunch of stuff with you. You brought this up last week now. You're in total slim-down mode. Yeah. Caloric deficit, which makes you even more anger. Right. <laughs> now, the salesman for this show, Brian, he's over there flexing. Right. Behind you. 
What are you doing? Yeah? Yeah, he's flexing. Okay. You're bringing up fitness. He's, You know, I, I love our sales. Why sale. doesn't it look good when he flexes? This isn't a good I love our sales uh, exec on the, on this show just because this dude has never missed a show. He's always here making sure we're getting taken care of. I like that. Yes. Yes, I he like puts that. in the work. Yeah. So – Back to Not the, in the gym, but he puts in the work here. Well, no, he puts Coming in the work in, <laughs> on Fridays and Saturdays, but his wife puts the work in on Saturdays. Okay, and right. The machines to get the player points up. <laughs> right. See, there you go. It's a well-oiled machine. Right. Going we, on have a, we have a, a, a top-notch team today. I mean, we got James here. Lindsey's at quarterback, and you and I are here. Brian, I mean, we just we just kind of drive the car. They're the mechanics. They run the show. You know, they're the pit crew. They're can we can we ask Lindsey what she does when she gets angry? Because she's a you know, Lindsey, what do you do when you hit a, a certain level of anger? Do you have a willy level of rage? I mostly just internalize it and stew in silence, okay. like any normal person. But so. I, I think what Willie has a, a healthier way to deal with it by bringing it out into the open and, and speaking it. Because the longer that it stays inside, the longer that it just stays within you. You know, I was gonna say that because I don't like being so open with my rage. But then again, uh, there has been a couple of instances where uh, I can't control it because I haven't let it out a little bit at a time. You know, maybe I'll, I'll throw like a hat when I'm watching the Browns. Nobody gets hurt, but I'll throw a hat on the ground. You know, James was there last I, week watching me watch the Browns last week. It wasn't pretty. I mean, do you I ever must, go to the tap house to watch the Browns? Uh, I've been there before, but every single week I'm down at a, another spot for the oh. radio station. For oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The, the, yeah the watch party. Um, I have learned, and I don't want to drag this into, you know, because, and I feel it's always important to talk about mental health issues, but we, we did that a few weeks back, and then it was Suicide Prevention Month and so on and so forth. And Lindsay and I have had this talk ever since we became friends. We've, we've sort of, we've, we've had these conversations, and, and I always just, I have found the first time I ever publicly wrote something um, on a public forum, which was a Facebook post, was 2018. The Golden Knights were about to um, open the Stanley Cup Finals, and I discussed suicidal thoughts. Now when I talk mental health issues and suicidal thoughts, like I say it's so normal that someone probably would be like, is he for real? Like, but that's what by normalize. See, to me, the people that go, I have, there's nothing wrong with me. That's abnormal. To me, I think we all go oh. through something, and that's that's the normal part of us is is to deal with our cerebral issues that forces us to use our mental health. I've noticed that the people that point the finger the most are usually the ones that kind of they. Uh, it's all projection. Right. They're the ones that, like, for example, if somebody's labeling you a certain way mm. it's because they're just trying to take the spotlight off themselves oh, you know absolutely. anybody who says that they are perfect anybody who says they have no issues you yeah. are what you are the one that needs the most therapy you're the ones that in, is in the biggest trouble i yeah. personally believe like take a look in the mirror man right that's why so and 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 by you know by talking it out and then and then using the gym and then just using other you know hiking i get into hiking a lot um take the pup up to the to red rock um it just it's just a good release. I, I recently got into meditating. Yeah. Um, the 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 woman that uh, meditation specialist. She's a she she works out at our gym. She's one of Jordan's clients. My son Jordan. Um, she said start off with five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and I was like five minutes went by so fast. Once I got into it, so ten to fifteen minutes. Um, and then if I'm at, she said you're going to find yourself where you're at places that sort of mellow you, or you you're in that bring you like for instance like sitting on press row. I get to a game two, three hours beforehand. Sometimes I'm like the other night at T-Mobile, I was there before everybody. Like a lot of times when I'm in my mode, I'll, uh, tomorrow, Allegiant Stadium, the kickoff's at 105. I'll be there at 905. You're allowed in four hours before, I'm there. 
I'll just disappear into my thoughts. Yeah. I, and I find that I, what I found with meditation is being able to do it at those places that bring you calm, bring you like Lindsay, right? Lindsay, when Lindsay get like Lindsay's kind of like the little the little toys where you wind up and then they go. But if you put her at press row at a hockey game, Lindsay is like the most badass hockey. If you have She's to go, to, you element. have to come to a hockey game and sit next to Lindsay. I promise you, after one game, you'll know more about hockey than you ever knew in your entire There's life. There's something to be said about people that know their element. Yes. You're lucky enough to know that. Lindsay's lucky yes. enough. To, I'm lucky enough to know right. that. Uh, I found that yoga does. My elements like the street, the alley. Right, right. <laughs> well, my my like I love yoga, and my, my element is when I do stand up comedy, because then I could go out there, I could make a couple of jokes about what's going on, lighten the mood a little bit, right. And then I see, and then I'm hanging around comics, so all we're doing is just making fun of each other, and then all of a sudden, I went from a bad mood into a very good mood because of where I'm around. All right, well, I'm glad that we got that going. We, we resolved the anger issues. We know all about everybody. We're going to dig in to figure out. We're going to figure out James. He's kind of fresh and new on the job. We'll break him in and start picking on know. him next week. He smiles it's, a little too much. I got, I'm worrying. <laughs> Gooch and Willie, we are at Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, ESPN Las Vegas. Got a great show lined up for you today. Power packed with guests. Coming up in just a few minutes, we have Ashley Weiss, ringside reporter for the Golden Knights. Golden Knights off to a hot start, Goose. Tonight, they are hosting the the Fenley Stanley Cup champ, Colorado Avalanche. We're going to get her thoughts on that and the fact that they lost last night to the Seattle Kraken. So, um, but Golden Knights, 4-1. And, and, you know, I'm I'm sure there are people that actually expected that, but I, I see a diverse sort of way that they've gotten to this point with with different styles of play, different different ways of getting it done. And which that's been what's most impressive with me. Like, you know, if you ask Lindsay, she would probably break it down like what they're doing, right? The forecheck to this, that to this. I just see here's what I see and this is what they're doing. What I've noticed is the power play is off to a hot start this year. When compared to last year, it was just well oh. and, and, and you know what? Power plays uh, you, you and I could do better power play than than they could do than they did last it's, year, oh, I think. I mean that power man. play has been atrocious. Um, also coming up at nine thirty three Jesse Merrick from Channel 3. He's going to talk all things Vegas because this dude's everywhere. Like, he flew to Connecticut for the WNBA Finals. This dude's at NASCAR. We go hiking, and then he'll go hit two events in the same day. Uh, love Jesse. He's a great kid. Come to Vegas, and he's really set, set the, the, um, the TV scene, if you will, on fire and done a great job. 10 o'clock, live from South Bend, Paloma Villacana. She is with the UNLV Rebels, so we'll get an update from South Bend. And... At 10.30, in the 10.30, the last uh, half hour of the show, Cody Davis, Houston Texans reporter. Tomorrow, Allegiant Stadium, both teams off a bye, Texans in Las Vegas. It's National Tight End Day tomorrow. And Darren Waller will not be playing, so that extension really worked out. Foster Moreau hopefully will be playing and ready to go. I like Foster. I actually think that he's – I mean, he's not not Travis Kelsey. He's not Darren Waller. Level, but but Moreau, Moreau, Foster Moreau, he knows his role, and you know what? He plays it really well. He's 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 a darn good. You know what? He's perfect for this offense with Josh McDaniels. I hate to say it because you think about the offenses in New England where they brought that hard nosed tight end guy, right? That's what Moreau is. And look, he's a he's a guy that knows his role, right? And he is reliable. Just do your job. Just do your job. Hopefully off the injured list for the Texans, tight end Brevin Jordan 
Bishop Gorman alum, oh. All-American, went to the U, uh, University of Miami, tight end U. So, uh, yeah, t- National Tight End Day, no Darren Waller, maybe Foster Moreau, maybe Brevin Jordan. So, Power Pack Show, four big guests. We're going to be back with Ashley Vice. It's Gooch, it's Willie. We're at Treasure Island, Gold Circle Sportsbook and Bar, ESPN Las Vegas. Dylan DeMello flings it on net. Hill makes the save, and Petrangelo swings it out. Smith with help coming. Smith down the wing. Out of Eichel, he scores! She's cooler than the ice they skate on. It's Vegas Golden Knights rinkside reporter, Ashley Vice. She's a bad Hey, <laughs> taking it back, Carl Carlton, Willie Ramirez, and Gooch here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Welcome to the show, my good friend, Ashley Weiss. How are you this morning, Ashley? I'm doing good, Willie. You promised me I would have a good new intro, and you did not disappoint, I have to say. How did you like that? I, 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 I have been holding on to that bite from our guy, Leon, and then today I was like, what's a good song? And then it just popped in my head. I was like, you know, I'm going to throw some old school Carl Carlton. She's a bad man with Gemma because you'd be Love holding that. it down. And I'm assuming that you are getting ready for morning skate. I am, yes. yes. Golden, Knights off, well. Golden Knights off to a 4-1 and one start. So let's get right to it. You know, yesterday Adam Hill and I were talking about it on the air with Steve Cofield. He was leaning on the fact that the Golden Knights are off to a fast start because of a soft schedule. My argument was this team... You know, they played the Kings. They played the Flames. Their two teams are supposed to contend. This is a team that was, you know, has been flexing its muscle because it's healthy and it wants to come out and sort of make a statement. Your thoughts? No, I, I, the scheduling is definitely an argument. However, whenever you are under a new head coach, you're learning new systems, you're doing all of these things, um, you'll take any positives you can get, right? And. You mentioned L.A. You know, that's the first game of the season. You never know how anyone's going to come out of the gate the first game of the season, whether it was Vegas or L.A. And the Calgary is the one loss you look at. And, you know, the Golden Knights do feel like they were outplayed throughout that game as it went on. Um, But you take the penalty trouble out of the second period, and they they hung in that game. So Calgary is a really good team, and they hung in there. So I definitely think there is something to the fast start. I think tonight is going to be a really, really good test. Um, it's odd that it's the third time in a row that the DGK are playing at home with their opponent on the second end of a back-to-back. Colorado played Seattle last night and lost. Um, however, you know, Seattle, they're dangerous in their own way, but they haven't been the best. Colorado has some pride. I'm sure they weren't super thrilled about losing to Seattle last night. So all, all right. of that said, I think tonight's going to be a really big test. And maybe that'll help answer that question a little bit. It could be a big statement win. And then you certainly throw this uh, soft schedule notion out of the equation. You know, you brought up Bruce Cassidy and how the team is responding with a new coach. And it's one of those things where it can either go really, really good or it could go really, really bad. But this team is definitely jumping out to a hot start. How long do you think they can sustain this? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I think that they only go up from where they're at right now. Uh, What Bruce Cassidy feels like is that they haven't, 
really even gotten close to a full 60-minute effort yet. Last game was good, but it's human nature. You fall back on your heels when you are up 4 nothing or 5 nothing, like they have been in a couple of these games early on. Um, so I, I think they can sustain it. Um, I think that they're still building, and I think that's the biggest positive that you look at when you look at the quick start is that they aren't even where they want to be yet. Bruce Cassidy is still making tweaks to the positioning on the power play. He's still, you know, hammering home that defensive system. He's still, you know, trying to get guys to, you know, learn how to play with a lead, all of these things. So I don't see a reason why they couldn't sustain it. Now, are they going to lose another game? I would imagine so. I don't think they're going to go 81-1 and one, uh, on the season for sure. Um, but I don't see a reason why it wouldn't be sustained as long as they can stay healthy because it really seems like they're only getting better and better in different areas each game. Well, and through five games, right, if you were to do the, the numbers, do the arithmetic, they're on pace to win 65 games. So, um, you know, and if they can sustain and stay healthy. We're speaking to Ashley Vice, ringside reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights, Gooch and Willie, ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag. Your thoughts on the goaltender rotation thus far? I thought it's worked out great. I think I, I love the fact that Adam brought this up yesterday on the show that Cassidy said that Aiden doesn't look at it like he's – a number two, and that, right. you know, and I think that's a mentality you got to have no matter what, because as long as there's no animosity, you come in feeling like the starter. That's key. I think for sure, and what I like about it is that Bruce Cassidy told us, I think it was after the first game, that he had a goaltending plan for the month of October, mm. and he wanted to stick with it. He said, "I don't want anyone feeling like they're on a really short leash, and that one bad performance means they're out." Having said that, there hasn't been a bad performance yet through five games. Uh, but I like it, it. It's a good sign for the goaltenders, for the team, um, that he said, this is my plan. We're sticking to it. And I think that's probably part of what has worked. And there's definitely going to be internal competition there, the way he's doing it, right? Everyone, you know, wants to be the starter. Uh, you know, you have Logan Thompson, who had to shut out at home, um, played really, really well in Calgary. Just, you know, what are you going to do when you, you know, there's, six penalty kills that you're having to, yeah. you know, the goaltender is the best penalty killer, right? Uh, but the goaltending, it's looked great. Uh, there's really no way around it. They've definitely had some help with the team offense as well. Um, you know, you're sitting back there and your team's getting up to three, four, five full leads in the first period. That certainly helps things for sure. Um, but I like what he's doing. And most importantly, I like that he's sticking with his plan. I'm interested since he said we have our plan mapped out for the month of October. I'm curious what goaltending looks like and what the rotation looks like in about two weeks when this month is over. So it appears like the bet on Jack Eichel is paying off. Uh, the numbers are showing well. He had two goals in the first period. But where he is really impressing is the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, he's impressive on the forecheck and getting back on defense. And, and, again, he's doing these things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but they're so important for the team to win. What are your thoughts on the start? You know, he's had a great start, and it's not that I don't think he did those things before, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Bruce Cassidy came in and said, I want to teach Jack Eichel how to win, right? And that's, you know, I definitely think that the narrative that was out there about Jack Eichel previously um, from his time in Buffalo and is he toxic in the locker room, I didn't buy into any of that just based on what I saw with him around his teammates. However, mm. Bruce Cassidy came in, he said, I'm going to teach Jack Eichel how to win, how to do the right things all the time, how to do the right things away from the puck. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing that already in these first five games. Um, and it, the work ethic is there for him. He's the first guy on the ice. He's the last guy off the ice every day at practice, even during warm-ups. 
Uh, he's constantly working on his game. He's competitive as they come. He looks really good, but I don't find it a surprise because he, he wants to win more than maybe anyone else. And you know what, Ash? Let me, let me just interject on that point. I never took that as a knock toward Jack Eichel when, when Cassidy said that. You know what it told me is that with all the issues off the ice in Buffalo, they never took the time to coach him up there. So it start, if you have to talk about a talent like that and I'm going to teach this, that means that that talent wasn't coached up in the previous spot. I took that more toward the knock on the Sabres and that now Jack can feel comfortable in sort of feeling like he's part of a family. Now I'm going to teach you how to do this. Definitely. Totally agree with that. And the other thing you have to look at is he may not have been taught what it takes to win because he didn't have a winning cast around him in Buffalo either, right? Like he was the guy, everything's on you. You could do everything you can, but you're probably still not going to make the playoffs, right? Like how could you learn to win in that scenario? And then last season, you know, he came in and, you know, I was really impressed with what he did when he came in um, the latter half of last season, especially considering he played with the broken thumb through, you know, the last 20 games of the season or whatever it was. Uh, but, no, I completely agree with you. It was to know, not Jack's fault by any means, um, and I think that he's been a huge piece of the locker room, a huge leader from the moment he's walked in the door. Um, but I do think we're definitely seeing some of the residual effects of his partnership with Bruce Cassidy, and, you know, it seems like everyone is buying in to what Bruce Cassidy is saying, and I think that's the best thing we could have hoped for. ESPN Radio, Las Vegas, 100.9 FM, 98.9. I'm sorry, wait, 998.9. I said the other one. Anyway, though, we're over here talking with Ashley Vice, ringside reporter for your Vegas Golden Knights. And we've seen a re-diversification of the offense to be more forward-centric rather than running through the D. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's part of why you're seeing um, the lines as balanced as they are. Uh, it's hard to say who the top line is for the Golden Knights right now. Uh, you assume that it's Jack Eichel, but... Chandler Stevenson is actually playing the most time five-on-five and the most time overall per game. Um, And then you have the fourth line, like, stepping up the way they are. They're on the ice to start every game. They've opened scoring two out of the five games. Um, So, yes, but then you you are still also getting the offense from the defense as well. It's just a little bit more quiet. I believe Alex Petrangelo has five assists. And, you know, it, it pays off for a guy like Shea Theodore. He's been a plus in every game already this season. So, um, you know, maybe not the goals from the defense, but the, the you know, the, the points are still there. Um, and when you have forward lines as balanced as they are, I think that's a lot of why the offense is skyrocketing the way that it was. And something that fans should be really excited about, because it feels like for about two or three seasons, it was like, why can they not score enough goals? Like sometimes last season was a bit of a misnomer. They were giving up a lot of goals. But previous to that, it was, why can't they score more than, you know, one to two goals a game, whatever it takes to win. They would be able to limit teams to only one or two goals a game, but they couldn't get that third goal. So um, I think it's fair to say, but I think it's definitely working out. 17 different Golden Knights have recorded at least one point, uh, and that was through the first, I believe that was through, uh, yeah, through the first five games. 11 of those players have scored at least one goal. Now I want to know from you, who has quietly impressed you to this point that may not be the Mark Stones, the Jack Eichels, the Marchesaws, the Theodores? That's a good question. Um, you know, the, the fourth line in general, um, they have it on, like they've done their role in terms of bringing the energy in terms of laying the hits, in terms of starting the game with energy. Um, but they're getting the chances as well. And, you know, as I'm saying this, because I'm thinking while we're talking, I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to say Brett Howden. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> the forward line as a whole has impressed me, but I think the guy who's quietly um, been extremely effective every game and a big part of the reason that the Chandler Stevenson and the Mark Stones have been able to be successful, Brett Howden is a big part of it. He adds just speed straight down the middle directly to the net. Um, he's also taking on a role that he's not used to taking on, and you know I'm sure it's, it's good for anyone to move up the lineup, right? But, I mean, he's always played center, um, at least for this team. He was always center, oftentimes the fourth-line center uh, last season. Moved up a little bit when the lineup got depleted, but I think he's been super effective. Uh, I think I personally was really interested to see how he was able to build on what he did last year here because I felt like he took huge strides here compared to what he had done with the New York Rangers previously. Um, and I think we're seeing that from him. All right, so before we let you go, we're going to have a little fun with this. Thursday yeah. on Cofield & Company, uh, we brought it up, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel and I. It was National Chicken and Waffle Day. So oh we carried it over to, tomorrow, uh, to yesterday because Cofield was out in South Bend. He was telling us about the foods that – he was in trying to enjoy in South Bend whether or not he was going to go eat some sort of fish because it's in, they claim to be a lake city and they're not. I don't know. Him and, <laughs> hit him and Adam got into an argument about it because Adam's a Michigan guy. So I guess my first question is, are you a chicken and waffle gal? And what is your favorite splurge when you're on the road? Like, okay, oh, oh man, like when you were with the Blues, now you're with the Knights. Like, okay, where, oh, man, I can't wait to go to this city because I'm going to go to that place. Good question. Oh, gosh. Um so as far as chicken and waffles go, I'll start there. I've only had it once or twice. Now, I love fried chicken and I love waffles, but I've only had it together once or twice. I'm, I'm weird like that. I didn't hate it, but I'm not like a – I wouldn't call myself a chicken and waffle stand necessarily. Okay. Uh, as far as a place I have to go, I mean, uh, I believe it's called Jim's in Philadelphia. That's the oh. Philly cheesesteak spot. So that, that, that's, a, that's a big junk food you get the cheese whiz on the Philly cheesesteak. That's the first thing that pops to mind. I'm sure All I could right. think of some better ones. Uh, I definitely I definitely like to revolve the road trips around food. I like going and, you know, trying different things. Uh, but I'll have to go with the Philly cheesesteaks in Philly. Why not? I wish that I could travel with you because I totally <laughs> am a food person. You follow me on Insta. You know that I love to cook. Uh, yeah. But for those that travel and I can't and I live vicariously, I do request the fridge magnet. So I'll be expecting some NHL City fridge magnets. Good from to you. know. Good to know. Good to uh, know. You might you might be getting a surprise here soon. Then. All right, Ash. We're going to let you go. Get out of here. There's a, a, a morning skate coming up. So I will see you tonight at T-Mobile, the Golden Knights against the Stanley, the defending Stanley Cup champs. Ashley Vice joining Gucci William. Throw the flag. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, guys. All right, there you have it, Gooch. So it's a big game tonight, too. And as she said, that's really going to sort of maybe soften the whole talk about a soft schedule that your boy Adam Hill brought up yesterday. Um, and it could be a big statement game for this team in terms of, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champs coming in and what this, this change that this team has undergone. Adam Hill lives in a world of cynicism. If yes. things are going yes. great, yes. he will try to find a way yes. to point out the negative. All the time. <laughs> It is Gooch. It is Willie. When we come back on Throw the Flag ESPN Las Vegas, we got Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 coming up right after this. I met Jeff Crowley, a Phillies fan, out in San Diego, and he said it was cheaper for him to go out to San Diego using miles and points with his hotel than to come here to Citizens Bank Park. He couldn't afford the ticket prices. And he lost his dad to cancer during the summer. And he had his dad with him in spirit. Well, Philly shortstop Bryson Stott saw that tweet Bryson said, we want to hook him up with tickets. 
and that is what Bryson Stott is doing. Bryson is holding tickets for him for tomorrow's game and Sunday's game. I mean, I hate cancer. Cancer is, I think, the worst thing on, on the planet. So, um, I mean, for him to go and cheer us on all the way in, in California and uh, honor his dad was, was pretty cool. And, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer to me. Baseball fever in October. You know, we had the Sports Equinox the other day, right? What Sports Equinox? It only had, I think it was only the 27th time in the history. NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, and NHL, the Big Four, all in one day playing the same time. So that was coming back was a, a sports anchor who's from uh, Philly talking about a fan whose father passed away. And he mentioned, if you heard the story, um, that he flew to San Diego, and it costs less to go to a game there. His father died, so he brought a sweatshirt with the print of him, his face. Bryson Stott, Desert Oasis product, UNLV guy. He saw it. Quoted the tweet and said, hey, get me in touch. This guy from Philly now has tickets to, uh, he had tickets to last night's game. He's got tickets to games three and four to Philly to bring, and two tickets so he could bring the sweatshirt of his father, local guy. So it was cool because a local sports anchor brought that out. And you know what? Local sports anchor who absolutely kills it here in town and covers all the local angles up and down from high school sports to UFC to NASCAR everywhere, Jesse Merrick from Channel 3. Jesse, joining the show. Jesse, how are you? Willie G, what's up, my man? How you doing? Oh, you're here with uh, myself and Gooch. On, uh, at Tre- we're live at Treasure Island. I'm not sure where you're at. You could be at any. You could be in a boxing ring, a jujitsu octagon right now. You could be on top of a mountain. If you are, though, I'm going to feel that you're cheating on me. Um, or you could be covering an event because you never know where you're at. Cricket field. Yeah. Yeah. For now, I'm actually sitting at home on my couch. Just got finished working out in the garage gym. So I totally didn't realize what time it was. The phone rang right as I finished doing some battle ropes. So I'm a little out of breath right now. <laughs> Another gym right. Now, now that, uh, it's October, so I'm guessing that your air conditioning is going to be fixed like next month when you don't need it. Yeah, next month or like maybe even a month after that. It's been an ongoing saga, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Lots of sauna days inside your house. We would go hiking in July and get up there like at 5, 6 in the morning to avoid the heat. And he it was cooler on top of the mountain than it was in his yeah. house because he had no AC. Yeah, that's where he, going on top of the mountain is where he goes to relax. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, it, and it's very hard for this guy to relax. So, Jesse, let's just start there. I mean, because tell everybody, you know, how, you know, because you've been here how many years now? Two? Two and a half. Uh, about three and a half. Three and a half now. And. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind. I know I've had this conversation with you before, I believe, on Cofield and Company, but it's been like in three and a half years, dude, the things that you've been able to cover and then the things that you you take on and you tackle. I was saying before, earlier in the show, flew to Connecticut to cover the WNBA Finals. You're back here. There's Sometimes we go, we go hiking in the morning, and you're hitting two events, and I see you at the third at the end of the day, whatever it may be, but you're everywhere. How's it been this three and a half years covering Southern Nevada? It's been wild, man. I'll be completely honest. You know, <clears throat> initially when I was thinking about coming to Vegas, I, you know, I didn't know quite what I was getting into. Uh, you know, I thought Vegas is a cool spot. There's going to be some fights. You know, the Raiders are coming here, the Golden Knights, and then the other teams that we have. But I didn't anticipate, you know, the growth of teams that we've had in the last three and a half years. And then on top of that, uh, just the number of events that come here. I mean, shoot, we got a Super Bowl coming pretty soon here, you know? I mean, that's that's insane. You know, not many markets can claim something like that. So, it has been a whirlwind, and I love it, man. I love being busy. You know, I love having stuff to cover. 
today, this weekend, obviously a big you know weekend for sports fans in Vegas and just you know uh, sports fans in general. But uh, you know it's been insane just to see the growth and how much really comes to Vegas. You know, and and I'm excited to see what you know in the coming years has uh, in store for Vegas. You know, obviously NBA only a matter of time till we get that. MLB, we'll see what happens. Some groups, you know, competing to try and bring MLS here. I mean, it's just insane. There's no other market quite like it. It's been awesome. ESPN Radio, Las Vegas, uh, 100.9 FM. Now, we're speaking with Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 and another big game for our VGK. And they're taking on the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting, man. You know, that's one, you know, for the Knights, they're, what, 4-1 right now. Uh, through five games, they've done it against two playoff teams. The other teams they've played are kind of bad teams. If we're being, if we're keeping it real, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy talked about it yesterday. The simple fact that, like, he loves the, you know, the the test that this gives his team early on with the Knights, and then the next one coming up against the Leafs as well. You know, some high-powered offenses coming to town, and uh, you know, he noted the fact that you know the the D, the D men for the Abs, you know, love to get activated in the rush and kind of attack you that way, and then really pass it and feed off to their you know, top-line talent, their forwards and things like that. And so that's where it gets interesting to see this matchup. You see how, uh, you know, solid the Knights are in their defensive schemes, you know, with uh, Cassidy there. You know, the biggest thing is communication, and it's all fine and dandy if you're doing it against teams that are kind of, eh, like middle of the road. But when you got the defending champs coming at you and some of the power and the, uh, you know, skill that they have, it's, uh, it's going to be a big test for them. So I'm excited for tonight, you know, to see how they do. Expect to see Logan Thompson back in there, back in net. And, uh, you know, see what he can do against a team like this. You know, this is going to be their biggest test that they'll see, you know, probably all year, let's be honest, you know, the skill that this team does have. And so, um, you know, you love seeing these marquee matchups and the back-and-forth hawking the way that it goes. And you want to see the Knight Stars continue to do what they've done and put up goals. I believe they've outscored their opponents 17-10 to through this early part of the season. So you'd love to see that happen tonight, possibly against the Avs. So to start the day off, though, UNLV out at – out in South Bend, Indiana, we have several local, uh, we have media members out there, right? Steve Cofield's out there. Of course, the broadcast team, Paloma Villacama, she's going to be joining us later. But just your thought, because she, she's going to get sort of set the scene from South Bend, but you cover the Rebels. Um, you know, we've been out there together at, at the game. We saw them with the hot start, but they lose Doug Brumfield. And, man, it just seemed to be the deflation of this team. Can the Rebels even hang with the Irish today? Man, that's, I, I honestly, I hate to be that guy, but I don't think so. You know, I think what the spread's like 26 and a half or something was what I last saw. Um, you look, you lose Brumfield and it's just, this team is so different, you know, and we've seen that throughout Marcus Arroyo's tenure, you know, and obviously, you know, just about any team where they don't have a quarterback, they're not going to be very good, but it has been so drastic uh, for this team. The drop-off from the starter to the backup has been unreal. Um, we saw what Doug managed to do for this team in terms of opening up the offense and spreading it around. Also, Aiden Robbins, you know, they didn't have him in the last game as well for the most part of that one. And so, you know, look, you go into a place like Notre Dame, you hope to keep it within, you know, two, three scores. But I just think Notre Dame, after watching them here against BYU, and I know Notre Dame's had an up-and-down season. You know, they've lost to some teams that they have no business losing to. I just don't see that happening this time around. Their tight end, I remember he went off against BYU. I don't see UNLV having an answer for that. We just saw... Air Force, who's one of the better rushing teams in the country, like let's not make any bones about it, but they rushed for 406 yards or 409 yards, something crazy like that. I just don't see the Rebels having the personnel to compete with a team, a program like uh, Notre Dame that's got the bodies that they're going to have. You know, So 
look, this is one of those things. You take that paycheck, you take your beat, and you come on home, you reset, and you get ready to go back into the Mountain West and see what you can do the rest of the way and try and snag those next two wins in order to get bowl eligible. You know, you don't want this thing to continue to compound and then you end the season on a downturn. That's not the way to do it. You want to see how this team can respond after they punch in the mouth a couple times. Yeah, you mentioned the betting number. The public's been on Notre Dame against UNLV. The game opened Notre Dame 24-and-a-half. It got as high as 27-and-a-half, and they actually took a big sharp play on UNLV 27-and-a-half, so now it's settled in at 26-and-a-half. We're talking to Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 here in Las Vegas, sports anchor, sports extraordinaire, I should say, right? Gooch Willie, Treasure Island. Throw the flag, ESPN Las Vegas, 1100, 100.9. So uh, you heard the intro, Bryson Stott. The Las Vegas Phillies is what we like to call them. Bryson Stott, Bryce Harper, <laughs> they took a 2-1 series lead last night. I've been pulling for the Phillies. I said I wanted the Phillies and my Dodgers in the NLCS. Now I'm pulling for the Phillies to win the whole darn thing. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, man. I was watching the game last night, and I'll be honest, like, I grew up in a baseball family, but I've become the worst baseball fan in the world, so I don't really watch a ton, but I was tuned in for that one. Uh, and I've been watching the Phillies and keeping a close eye on them just because of the Vegas ties that, you know, they have out here, which is really cool to see. Um, you know, and, and you love seeing Bryson do something like he did in the intro you said. You know, that's just so cool. You know, showing he's a good kid. You know, he's got his head on straight. He's made it to the big show, and he, he hasn't forgotten where he comes from, you know, and he continues to pay it forward, and, and that's awesome. But, man, having him and Bryce be a part of that, that I just always think anytime I'm watching that, I mean, you know, I'm like, it just must be unreal where you're sitting there thinking, like, man, like, you know, we grew up in the same area around the same time, and I know Bryson was looking up to uh, uh, to Bryce, you know, I'm sure, and, you know, just in realizing that you're in that moment doing that, not only during the regular season, but also now in the playoffs and making a run for the championship and having a little legitimate shot to do it is incredible. And against a team like the Padres, who, as you noted, knocked out the Dodgers, I mean, this theory is going to be wild. That last game, that game last night was a roller coaster ride. So I'm excited to see how this one kind of pans out the rest of the way. But both of them being involved, just so cool for Vegas. You know, and I know this is such a baseball town. Granted, you ask anybody that's a fan of any sport, they're going to say this, that's what this sport's town is or this town's sport is. But, uh, you know, I know baseball's roots go so deep out here. Uh, and there's so many great prospects that have made their way up into the bigs and everything from out here. So it, it's a lot of fun to watch and see. And, you know, just, again, another thing that you can kind of point to as, uh, you know, having Vegas ties that's going on this weekend, that's a lot of fun to watch. So the Las Vegas Raiders are taking on the Houston Texans tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium, and lots of injuries on the Raiders. Darren Waller is on the side of a milk carton somewhere. We don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> How are they going to be able to take out Houston? Yeah, look, I mean, for me, you look at Houston, and I think they're a better team than their record says they are. You know, obviously they got Damian Pierce. He's running like crazy. Uh, you know, that defense has been playing very well, you know, flying around and everything like that. But also, I look at their schedule. They haven't really played many great teams. Um, you know, and also, I look at the fact that the Raiders have been running the ball like crazy. Josh Jacobs, you know, he's up to almost 300 yards rushing his last two games. You know, look, I don't expect him to keep that same pace because that would be unreal. He's setting a new career high every single week. Um, but I'd imagine that they're going to run the ball early and often against the Texans and try and establish that because they come into this one with the uh, league's third-worst rush defense. So I think that's an area to attack. We've seen Derek Carr and Devontae really kind of get going a bit here, uh, you know, with some of the big plays and things like that. And I think coming out of the bye week, there's a bit more continuity. It's that time to kind of self-scout. And I'm sure they've looked at each other and, you know, and, and figured out, you know, their areas of deficiency. Because if you think about it, at the end of the day, like, this Raiders team, they're 1-4, and four, and you are what your record says you are, but they've only lost those games by a combined 14 points and to get some quality opponents, you know. So um, I would imagine they're going to come to this one, and I think they win uh, – 
more than I think the spread was what ten points, something like that. I think is what I last saw. I think they win by more than that. I think it's at least a two-score game, 14 points maybe here. Um, you know, I think this is an opportunity for the Raiders to establish themselves and go on a bit of a run as their schedule has lightened up here. But, again, I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a big part of it and keeping an eye on the, uh, the play-action passing game as well with Devontae coming through. All right, Jesse, we're up against the wall, but we got to ask you real quick, your thoughts on the Formula One coming to Las Vegas. Every time a huge event like this, boxing, football, basketball, it always brings in a different type of crowd. What kind of crowd can we expect when the Formula One hits Man. Las Vegas in 2023? Yeah, this is going to be probably unlike any other event we've ever hosted. You know, Vegas is such an international city, but, man, Formula One, you know, the way I've heard people describe it to me is it, it's like the Oscars meets racing, you know? or Oscars meets NASCAR, essentially. We just had the NASCAR race out here. Those are a lot of fun. That's kind of what this one's going to be. You know, it's going to bring out so much crazy money from all over the world here. And, you know, Vegas does nothing better than throwing some parties. You mix in some crazy racing and the speeds that they're going to be having down there on the strip. It is going to be unbelievable. I just can't wait to people watch and just kind of walk around, you know, the setting down there and see what it's like because that is going to be one of the more unique events I think this city has ever hosted. All right, now, Jess, we've got to ask you. We've been asking. Uh, we asked uh, Ashley Vice earlier. Thursday was National Chicken and Waffle Day. JVT and I brought it up on the show. We brought it up yesterday because Ooh. Cofield's out in South Bend to find out what the heck he could f- try to eat out there. First of all, are you a chicken and waffle guy? Second of all, when you go and you've gone on the road, like you went to Connecticut, I think you and I talked on a hike. What do you look? Where, where are you going to eat, or what? What's one of your favorite towns that you've been to on a road trip? A ro- it's got to be a work road trip. You've gone to cover, and you've had an incredible meal. Ooh, man. Well, first of all, I am a chicken and waffles guy. I will definitely say that. Um, you know, growing up in Southern California, we got Roscoe's out there, so I always hit up Roscoe's any chance I could get. I any went to chance. school not too far or whatever it was, so that was, uh, that was the spot. But for me, work trip, man, that's hard because, like, you know, you know this. You, we've talked about this. Brian and I, when we go on work trips, we eat, like, with a capital E-A-T, you know, and uh, – Hopefully my bosses aren't listening to this because sometimes, you know, we treat ourselves a little bit. Um, on the trip to Connecticut, I went and got lobster, you know, figured we're, we're up there in the Northeast. you got to get some fresh seafood. Um, but for me, you know, the, one of the things, it's not like a meal, but I, I love cannolis. I don't eat cannolis when I'm at home. You know, I, I'm very regimented in my diet and everything like that. And whenever I'm on the road, whether it's for work or for fun, I'm always finding, like, the best spot for cannolis, wherever it is. And when we're in Connecticut – me and my photographer went out to uh, New Haven, where Yale is, and we found this little spot that's been operating since, like, 1910, 1920, something crazy like that. It was, like, a Friday night. The line was, like, 30, 45 minutes to get in there and get these things. And, like, I, no kidding, like, they were one of the best, some of the best cannolis I've ever had. Uh, never in a million years did I think I'd find that in New Haven. Um, but, man, it, it was awesome. I love that. I'm going to New York pretty soon. I'm going to be going finding some cannolis out there. Like, it's just a random thing. I went to Connecticut when Pete DeBoer got fired with the Knights and randomly found an awesome cannoli spot out there. Like, that's my thing that I try and find anywhere that I go on the road. All right, that sounds good to me. Little Italy, uh, when you go to New York, just hit into Little Italy, go to Ferrara's. They'll have the best Italian pastries for you. Jesse, we're up against it. I will see you tonight at T-Mobile, Golden Knights, and uh, Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champs are in. Jesse Merrick from Channel 3. Thanks for joining us, Jess. For sure. Appreciate you guys. Take it easy, Willie and Gooch. Take care, buddy. Gooch, Willie, throw the flag, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, ESPN Las Vegas. When we come back, free picks. What am I going to do, Tick? Maybe by seven. What am I going to (laughs) do? Oh, my God, Tiki. I was down 11 ground before I made this. (laughs) 
It's a little side half court. He's a 30 footer! It's it! Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. A-plus acting from Keanu Reeves and Hardball right there. They should have never shot G-Baby. <laughs> Throw the Flag. Still, I still tear up at that scene. Over here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. At the Treasure Island, ESPN Radio, 1100, 100.9 FM. And now it is time for the Game Week segment, my very favorite segment. I've actually been on quite a roll. Last week I took both of our bets and I put them in a three-teamer and they came through for me and I'm hoping to do the same thing. And, Willie, we got an injury update and a line move. Yes, our top-notch producer has just alerted us. Russell Wilson is out Oh, for the game. It's official and the line has moved. The Jets are now minus one and a half in Denver for tomorrow's 105 Pacific kickoff. This happens to be a game that I am going to discuss in a little bit here. And now, so now we got to get right to it because now the line's moving. It, it, I mean, it, it, this is going to be my pick of the week. You're seven and four. I'm nine, one and one. If you're following our pick since we started this show together, 16, five and one through the first 11 weeks. So I'll go first. Okay, go for it. All right, so I got earlier this week, I got th- I already have Jets-Broncos under 39.5 points. It was sitting at 38 when this show started, and now I'm seeing 37. There's 136.5 out there. So I would jump on. I mean, really, I, I, I really like this, 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 this total. Uh, Denver has been buttering its bread with the defense. The Jets is impre- as, as impressive as the Jets have been around. But think about it. They went to Green Bay and won right there. It's been their defense that's been carrying them. So now you have the Jets going to an Denver to play an offense that's been struggling mightily and now doesn't have Russell Wilson. Right. And so that- I like it under. And I am interested to see just how the Dolphins are going to play because it's not like Russell Wilson has been setting the world on fire. He has been bad this year for Denver. So, again, I don't even think it's going to be that much of a difference. I would have, I would have taken that anyway, just the Jets and the under. I'm going to go with Kansas City is getting uh, is going to be favored by two and a half over the Niners thanks to the Treasure Island Sportsbook. And, look, Niners are getting healthier, but they still have problems in the secondary. They, they lost their starting cornerback. And it's not going to be enough. They think Christian McCaffrey is going to come in. That's going to set the world on fire. It's not going to do that much against the Chiefs. He's not going to be the one throwing the ball. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo. You got probably a generational talent and Pat Mahomes on the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs all day. I could see it. I could see it. I, you know, I, I, we talked about the, the, the move yesterday um, as far as getting uh, McCaffrey um, I, you know, this guy's got a history of, of injury, whether or not this is going to affect the 49ers, um, you know, and how he's going to boost it. The thing that I said was the 49ers weren't necessarily struggling with their rushing game. Right. They, they, were, they had a top-tier run, not top-tier, but they were in the upper half of the league with their rushing game. So why they need him, is he, I don't even know if he's going to be available to play this week for them, but the Chiefs definitely, uh, this, is a, this is something that, I mean, Kansas City is better suited for this. Um, I can see this taking place. I can I can saddle up with you on this one. Um, but you know what? During this break, I got to try to do what I can to grab some more money on the under for this uh, for my Jets Broncos play. 
Listen, well, we're, we are halfway through the show. We're knocking it out. Gooch, Willie, Treasure Island, throw the flag, ESPN. We're back. We're going out to South Bend to talk to Paloma. For UNLV Athletics is right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN Las Vegas. It's time for Paloma. From operations to recruiting to equipment to nutrition to making sure every single detail of this program is executed at the highest level, the women of UNLV football are doing an outstanding job, leading the way for more women to be an essential part of a college football team. You don't know about this stuff, Goose, do you? Oh, I know all about it. Queen Latifah, Moni Love, Ladies First, taking you way back. One of my favorite songs. Moni Love's a great person, too. I, I We're friends on through social media. So I had to play that for my girl, Paloma, because she does such a fantastic job. She's always empowering women. So joining Gooch and Willie on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas, coming to you from South Bend. It is Paloma! What's up, man? I am literally on the field right now in South Bend as the Rebels are running out the tunnel, getting ready to warm up here. Beautiful weather. It's like 75 degrees and sunny. Uh, The Rebels just getting warmed up, getting ready for a historic matchup here at Notre Dame. And, man, just coming in with with the buses. This place is packed. Every single person has texted me saying there is no – Game day, like Notre Dame. I mean, this is this is it. So a lot of excitement here in South Bend right now. I have to assume you've seen the movie Rudy, and they kind of take you through that on his first, the first time he gets to gear up, and the, the bus comes in, and his father gets off, and then the limo pulls up with his right with with John Favreau, and they show him walking through the tunnel. Do you does it sort of reminiscent? Does, is there a certain aura when you arrived with the team? Yeah. Absolutely. We were here yesterday setting up with UNLV equipment. Um, so it's a little bit, you know, quieter on campus. Um, not not a crazy game day like, but, you know, I walked out on the field and I was like, man, this is magical. Like, just magical. Like, just the history in this stadium, the history on this campus. Um, you know, to, to be a sports reporter here, you know, to, to represent UNLV here, it's a big moment. So uh, there's a lot of pinch me moments in, in my career, and this is definitely one of an awesome opportunity for UNLV to show uh, what they got on a national level. You know, they are banged up on, on both sides of the ball right now. But, um, you know, what an opportunity for the Rebels and for Marcus Arroyo to show show the world what they got. So, Paloma, you were talking about the aura. And this is just as you as a reporter. Do you think the players are going to have a hard time not getting caught up in the aura and touchdown Jesus? And uh, They seem pretty locked in to me. Coach Arroyo has made it very clear this week, uh, you know, to lock in, to treat this as, as any other game. You know, we did get out here a little bit early. We got here on Thursday just to settle in. You know, we're in a different time zone uh, just to settle in and, and get locked in for this game. Um, you know, it is. there's a lot of history. There's a lot of noise around this game. But, um, you know, for UNLV, it's just to lock in and focus and just treat this as, as any other day. 
at the end of the day, you know, it's a football field, it's 100 yards, you know, it's, it's the same dimensions. It's just uh, in a bigger stadium with, you know, 80,000 fans on top of you. And I would imagine that it's it's actually probably a blessing for these guys, for the Re- for the Rebels, to have a guy like Marcus Arroyo because when you come from a Pac-12 program like Oregon, right, and they play in big-time stadiums and, they you know, they're, they're traveling, they're playing big non-conference opponents, they're playing – possibly in, in, in the Rose Bowl or bigger bigger bowl games, he has to have the right mindset to sort of instill to these guys. Yeah, and I think Coach Royo is, is really big on, you know, just focusing on that and, and not worrying about, you know, the what, what other teams are playing. And it's kind of funny because on the red zone, we'll kind of preview the next matchup. You know, you guys are getting ready for Air Force. You guys are getting ready for Notre Dame. You know, you guys are getting ready for, you know, North Texas, whoever they're playing. And Coach Royal is always like, man, it's just another team. You know, it's just another 11 guys we're lining up against. And, you know, we don't care who's on the other side of the ball. But I think moments like this definitely prepare them for a bowl game. I mean, they're, they're, they're bowl eligible this season. They're on track to, to win a bowl game. So I, I'm hoping to see it this year. I know um, uh, their, their former quarterback, Caleb Herring, has been on, on the trip with all of us. And he's the last quarterback take UNLV to a bowl game back in 2013 so um, you know Doug Brumfield trying to get healthy trying to uh, you know get back into it he's still finishing his day-to-day protocol um, with his concussion right now and right now he's warming up he's you know throwing the football but he's not dressed for today's game so I expect Cam Friel or Harrison Bailey to to step up in his place but it's a good thing to see Doug Brumfield throwing the ball you know he I feel like he's really close to to being cleared by the doctors ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. We're speaking with Paloma Viacana, who's down at South Bend right now, covering the Rebels taking on Notre Dame. And can the Rebels step onto that field and just take care of business? How do they stack up against Notre Dame on both sides of the ball? Well, I think it's it's actually kind of to their advantage that Notre Dame is, you know, not as a dominant football team as they were last year in their 11-2 season. Notre Dame has struggled on both sides of the ball. Uh, to find consistency and find rhythm uh, on both sides of the ball this season. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to Marshall. They lost a, a close game to Stanford. Um, so I think this Fighting Irish team will be hungry, you know, today to to kind of, you know, show UNLV and show their home fans, you know, that they can beat another team and, and, and continue to, to move on under their, their new head coach, Marcus Freeman. But this is the best talent that UNLV is going to face this season on, on both sides of the ball for sure. Uh, but I think, I think the Irish have struggled in all three phases. I think the Irish have struggled this season. Um, but like I said, this is the best talent UNLV will see. And, you know, unfortunately for UNLV, they have a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. So, you know, Coach Arroyo said it is what it is. You know, we would like to head into this game healthy. We would like to head into this game, uh, you know, fully, fully ready to go. But it is what it is. They have a lot of guys out on, on both sides of the ball. So, it's just the next man up mentality, and, and we'll see what, what UNLV got. We'll see what they got today. Notre Dame has definitely had a different year, that's for sure. It's not a typical Irish year. I saw them um, against BYU, and if there is one player on the team that is absolutely tremendous, and he's probably the number one tight end prospect for the upcoming draft, Michael Mayer, a beast, tore it up versus BYU. Um, have you, have you had a chance to, to scout him? Like when you were preparing in covering the Rebels, I know that you do your prep to, to, to cover the opponent. Yeah. Did you have a chance to, to check out and sort of scout what he's about? 
Yeah, he's definitely a threat on offense. I think he's the best player on this football team, on the the, Nor- the Notre Dame football team for sure. Um, UNLV secondary, man, they're going to have to step up. Um, you know, we've seen UNLV's defense struggle in the past two games, giving up over 40 points in back-to-back games, and it's just execution. I feel like Austin Ajike has really been the only player on defense that has, you know, been giving it their all. He racked up 20 tackles uh, against against Air Force, you know, a career-high 20 tackles. So I need to see the secondary step up. I need to see them take care of the football, first of all, you know. Um, this is a huge matchup on a national level. UNLV has to take care of the ball, has to step up on defense, and, and definitely shut down Notre Dame's offense. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I think this is the best player – Besides Brad Roberts, you know, I think this this is definitely number two in line uh, to to a matchup and, and shutting him down. ESPN Radio 1100.9 FM. We're speaking with Paloma Viacano, who's down in South Bend right now, covering the Rebels, taking on your not your gold the uh, Golden Domers, Notre Dame. And let's look past this week. We're hoping that the Rebels start to get healthy. Maybe Brum- Brumsfield kind of gets back up on the uh, gets back on the field. But the Rebels have four wins, and they're two away from being bowl eligible. How can this team come out of the season? How does this team come out of the season? Yeah, yeah. How, do, how um, does it finish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got to go win two more. You know, they got to go win two more, and I think they can do that. Um, but I asked Coach Royal, you know two back-to-back losses, you know, how do you get your train back on the tracks? And he's like, we just need to go back to our winning ways. The game against Air Force was just, you know, so uncharacteristic is what he said of, of the way they started the season. And I went back and looked at that Idaho State game, and, man, did the Rebels just fly around. They just seemed so much faster coming out of the gate fast, scoring on the opening drive, you know, just, just coming out of the gate fast. And I think they may have just hit, like, a lull, like a bump, like, they just need to get back to their to their winning ways, taking care of the football, starting fast, scoring on the opening drive, um, and, and just get back to their way, the way they were just flying around. But I have to say, they are injured. You know, they are injured. They're running back Aiden Robbins is injured. They've been banged up in their receiver room. The defensive line has been banged up. So that has to take account to their two back-to-back losses. But getting healthy and getting back on track, getting back to their winning ways and, you know, getting back to how they started the season – is how they'll they'll finish the season strong and go to a bowl game. All right, so Paloma, before we get you out of here, we've been asking everybody this because we want to let you go enjoy and soak up the atmosphere. But, you see, Thursday <laughs> was National Chicken and Waffle Day. We brought it up oh. on Cofield and Company with JVT. Yesterday we were giving Cofield some smack because he was trying to figure out where the heck he could go eat because he was staying a little further from South Bend. So quick, que- so two, two-part question. One is, are you yeah. a chicken and waffle gal? Two, in all your travels, when you've gone, you're traveling with UNLV, you've been out about – where is your favorite place that you've gone, and it has to be work-related, not vacation-related? Okay. And, 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 like, you go, oh, man, if I ever go back there, it's a hole in the wall. i got to go there and eat. Like, a, a good sports trip, and you got to go to that place to eat. Okay. There's a lot. That's a very, very deep question because I've been, <laughs> Alabama, I've been in Alabama. I've been in Louisiana. I've been in Georgia. I've been in Texas. I've been in Oklahoma. I mean, that's. I could write a book on where to eat, you know, in college football, but uh, it just depends on where you are. I mean, if you're on the West Coast, I would think, like, maybe a taco shop that's, you know, mom-and-pop taco shop. If you're in the South, you know, I would say barbecue, you know, pull over to the side of the road and go get barbecue from Rudy's or gas station or something, Um, you know. And then if you're in Georgia or, you know, you're in, you know, Tennessee, I mean, it has to be that soul food 
Um, and, you know, it's funny because, honestly, at, like, the tiny little stops on the freeway, that's where the best food is. Yep. That's where, that's where you know, grandma and everyone is, is cooking right there. But, um, yeah, I would need to write a book on that for sure, Willie. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to let you go, Paloma, because I know that you want right. to soak it up out there, and it's getting loud, and the band's coming in and everything, so I yeah. want you to enjoy yourself. And don't forget now, your favorite media colleague in Las Vegas is a fridge magnet hound. So if you have a chance to grab a fridge <laughs> magnet, I would gladly put it on yeah. my fridge. We appreciate you joining us, Paloma Villacana. From Channel 5, out with the Rebels in South Bend, joining Gooch <laughs> Willie on Throw the Flag. Thanks, Paloma. Thanks, Willie. See you guys. Bye. Have you ever been to South Bend? No. You never? Uh, they got the College Football Hall of Fame out there. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've been there once. Yeah. I was doing stand-up one time. And then, how, uh, many, how many Hall of Fames have you been to? I've been to that one. I think that's it. I think I went to like I went to that one, and I think I went to the, like the Aeronautical Hall of Fame in Ohio. Or something. I've been to Cooperstown. I've been to Canton, and I've been through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, Rock and Roll Hall. Of Fame. And I'll never go back in until they. Uh, and I'll tell you why when we come back. But you know what? Because I I I took my throw the flag segment out because we got four guests. But I'm going to throw the flag first when we come back, and then you're going to go through. You're oh. throwing the flag, but I'm throwing the flag at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'll tell you why right here. Gooch Willie throw the flag. At Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN. Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Yeah, the rainbow, Ronnie James Dio. Throw the flag back again. Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle. Hanging out here doing Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez, ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. It's the segment where we throw the flag. We find issues that we take umbrage with, and we let the world know. Willie, right before we went to break, he's got a flag he wants to throw at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, man. In Cleveland, I, Ohio. Before we throw the flag, we're going to do a couple of shout-outs. Steven came up before the show. He's actually flew in from Houston for the Texans-Raiders game. He got hooked up with an ESPN shirt. All he had to do was come down here, came down, right, free parking in the garage. We got the world champion Aces shirt, the ESPN shirts. We got some tickets to give away, local lounge act, uh, and then and a comedy show. So make sure that you come down to check us out. Free parking, Treasure Island, fantastic kitchen. Breakfast is served. And the sports book. And you know what? When the sports book is closed, Gooch, the kiosks are open. Also, uh, local media member, I'm not sure where, where he disappeared to, but Tony Garcia, Chicago guy, he's here around here somewhere. He came down to check things out. So, ha- Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, eight years ago this week, <laughs> there's, there's more to that eight-year mark. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I was in Cleveland and uh, went to a Browns game to happen to play the Raiders. That next day, I went to the NFL Hall of Fame. And then the day I left, I started at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before I left that night. So I'm walking around. I'm seeing, you know, they have a rap section, run DMCs in it. That was cool. They have some, you know, some crooners. and this. Is, so it's not just rock. Right. The hands down, in my opinion, and yes, it's a biased opinion, greatest songwriter, the guy who has made hits for so many, the guy who saved Frank Sinatra's career. Frank Sinatra called him and said, hey, I'm, ret- I'm done. My career's over. It's done. It's why the song starts, and now the end is near, mm-hmm. and so I fade. And then all of a sudden, it start, the career went back up, and that's why he wrote another song for him called Let Me Try Again. Why isn't, and by the way, the real version of My Way with the songwriter and the guy who wrote it is in the finale, season finale of Cobra Kai. Why isn't Paul Anka 
in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's a good question. He was definitely a part of that, that Rat Pack group. No, he, he wasn't. He was the younger brother of that. But what he was a part of, when you think of Paul Enke, you think of the 70s, you're having my baby, you're thinking of those songs. But in the 50s, the music he was writing was considered rock and roll. He was on the American Bands of that tour. You know in the movie La Bamba with the fl- where the, the plane goes right. down, right? He was part of that caravan of stars. He just wasn't in that group. He wrote Buddy Holly, who died in that uh, airplane crash. He wrote... Doesn't really any, really matter anymore for Buddy Holly. Wow. He wrote Puppy Love for Donnie Osmond. I he did wrote not Put know Your that. Head on My Shoulder, which became a TikTok fascination. Why isn't my uncle, my mother's brother, Paul Anka, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? My uncle. Now I see where the rage is coming from. See the now anger? We got it. Yeah, now we're we got back I was to like, anger issues. I was like, wow, how did this hip hop DJ get so upset about Paul Anka? And now I know it's in your blood. Throwing the flag. All right, who are you throwing the flag <laughs> at, right. Gooch? I'm throwing the flag at anyone expecting the Niners to take a huge leap after acquiring. Christian McCaffrey. We kind of brought it up during the gambling segment, and it's not like we even think he's going to play tomorrow, and if he does, it's only going to be a few snaps, but look, it'll be cute seeing what Shanahan schemes up with Debo Samuel and with Debo and McCaffrey on the field at the same time, but the run game has not been the problem with the Niners. It's been injuries first and foremost on the defense and subpar QB play from Jimmy G. Christian McCaffrey's arrival is not going to change that, so it's going to be, I think it's going to kind of be more of the same what happened in Carolina with him? It's just, what's he going to bring? Yeah, I I don't, it, 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 he's going to bolster it by giving that added punch. But again, I don't think it's taking it to a different level. I right. just think that he's just an added, because again, as I mentioned yesterday and today, the rushing game wasn't suffering. It was actually contributing. It was It was contributing to a nice balanced attack. They weren't, they weren't struggling with the run. It, it was it was providing its role. So I, I, I agree with you. I think he's just going to step in. He's going to be a part of it. And, and the th- key thing is going to be keeping this guy healthy. Well, going back to even Shanahan's dad, it's just, it didn't matter what the running back was. It didn't matter who it was. They always had a running back by committee. So there's never been, like, one focal point in the run game. They've always just been able to hand it off to, like, a three-headed monster, and they would still get yards. And that's basically the scheme. Now, Christian McCaffrey – you put him in space, yes, he is extremely dangerous. Now, and you're yeah, a fantasy guy. I am. So, I, so do you have to be careful with him because of injuries? Uh, you always have to be careful so with him because of So is he the Darren injuries. Waller of running backs? Oh, no, because I think is that— Is Darren Waller the Christian McCaffrey of tight ends? I think Darren Waller is the Darren Waller of tight ends. It's oh, just like—but, okay. <laughs> you know, you would, you would hope that Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, that's the thing. If he stays healthy, he's a monster. Darren Waller, if he stays healthy, I don't think he has the same uh, pedigree as a Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Right. So, I'm also going to throw the flag at Lamar Jackson, and part of the reason is because I was throwing the flag at anybody who doubted him as like a top three we guy did. earlier yeah, yeah. in the season. But this season, what has been going on? Well, well, let me. Can I clarify this just for for grammatical purposes, please? You're th- okay, do you do you ever notice when we're on dock? You were on the dock. We, we, we Gooch and I. For those of you, we sit at a table, and and perpendicular, and and I we have a Google Docs open, and I always go in. Not only do I add stuff, but do you ever notice where I edit and the grammatical yes. stuff? I because I it's hard for me to look at not being like like for instance right here. I'm going to fix this real quick because it's not spelled right. <laughs> See, um, but it should be. So you're throwing the flag at fourth quarter, Lamar Jackson. Yes. where it would be hyphenated because we're yeah 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 fourth quarter, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. What has been going on? Four of his six interceptions have come in the fourth quarter, and that 
The only quarterback that leads that category is Jameis Winston, and he hasn't even been playing the last couple of weeks. So it's kind of crazy to put Lamar Jackson and Jameis Winston in any category because that's what I always thought Lamar Jackson's biggest bonus was the fact that he didn't throw a lot of picks. Mm. But earlier in the season, I was saying that he was get, he was better than Josh Allen because I was saying he was utilizing his wide receivers more and not relying so much on the tight ends in the middle that are usually open because of the, the, uh, the option run. And he's trying to do way too much. And when quarterbacks do that, you're the hero or you're the zero, and the style of play is just too inconsistent. Elite QBs got to trust their teammates to do their job, and it just doesn't look like Lamar is doing that. It looks like Lamar is going, I could do this. I'll get us out of this. Just jump on my back. Well, last week we saw a fumble and an interception, a timely interception in the fourth that pretty much gave the Giants the lead. Settle down, Lamar. Yeah. Just settle down. It's definitely, you know, that's the one thing about Lamar Jackson is he does try to take the, take the game over because he's capable of doing it, but the problem isn't necessary. So when you get in a mindset and you get in a flow that that's what you're able to do, what happens is defenses realize that. So this year you have to adjust on the fly knowing the defenses have figured you out. So this year defenses have figured him out. Maybe that could be the issue. And everybody was kind of hoping that he would go back to the MVP season because in the beginning of the season, again, he was utilizing his wide receivers perfectly, yeah. and he was throwing those those streak routes, and he was nailing them. And then all of a sudden it just seems like I think maybe one, one game out of the last three, Dever DuVernay had five catches, and that's been the most he's had in the last five games. It's like – you got to use those guys. I, I'm also going to throw the flag at anyone who agrees that games should be blacked out if there isn't a sold-out arena. I, this drives me insane. Now, there's no hyperlink with this. Usually you got some hyperlinks. This must have happened to you. Yes, yes. It okay. recently happened to okay. me. I was trying to watch one of our beloved sports teams that play right here in Las Vegas. Don't want to drop any names. Drop the name. Okay. Rhymes with Regis Rolden Wrights. Okay. And <laughs> Okay. I'm trying to watch the game, and they're, they're available on ESPN Plus, NHL, yeah. but if it's not a sellout at the uh, T-Mobile Arena, they're not going to air the game. And it's just – my point is, is, like, I understand that you want the arenas to be sold out, but if, if they're not – if the game isn't sold out, I don't think it's going to force anybody. Now, do you have ESPN anybody. Plus? Yes, I do. Oh, you do. So it was blacked out for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It was blacked, and even even the uh, the Jets broadcast was blacked out. Oh, wow. So it was, it was kind of strange. So uh, – and this is this is something that takes place in, in a lot of different markets as well with different teams and yeah. different and different leagues. It's just so annoying. It's like no one's gonna people go to the game because that's something they hype themselves up to. And if it's a last second thing, it's somebody going, I've got a ticket. Nobody's going to the game, well, well, I can't watch the game on TV, so I'm gonna go pay three hundred dollars for me and my friend to get two tickets to the game. It's like that's just not it doesn't add up. Right. It doesn't add up. And I'm gonna throw my flag. When I saw this, when I saw this headline, you know when you go on ESPN.com, it shows this, the side headlines, and they're usually short, you know, little, little tiny headlines. Yeah. So I don't know if you knew this or not, but Dana White, president of the, uh, the UFC, he just got himself a power slap league, and he just got it approved. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this online, mm -hmm. but it's usually two, yeah. two men, yeah. or actually, no, two men or two women, they face off, and they stand across from each other, and they just slap the hell out of each other and it is remarkable watching these because it does not I'd rather get punched in the face in a, in a UFC fight than just have somebody wind up and slap me as hard as they can across the face because you just see these guys their brains are getting rattled it's insane but back to the ESPN.com this was the headline that they put 
UFC's White's Power Slap League gets approval. I'm like, at first, I didn't see the apostrophe S. I thought it was UFC's White Whites. Power Slap League gets approval. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, which copy saying, editor was on that? I'm just saying, look, next time just be like, Dana's Power Slap yeah, League right? gets oh, Now we're getting it, but White Slap League, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're heading into some unfamiliar territory here uh, we got to do some piece we got to do some pc editing so here's here here's what Lindsay, get on here let's go um what i need yes, to sir. do what i need to do i think is get Lindsay over to the perfect gym from this point until this becomes it goes because right the, the, the athletic commission approved or whatever but we get Lindsay into the perfect gym we get her the private lessons we get her we get her just jacked up she was a, she was a goalie Right. She I'm not pushing putting she, muscle she, on, though. That's she, the problem. She could take both of us out. No, but we're just going <laughs> to tone you out, and we're going to get those quick trigger muscles going. Are you in for the power slap league? I, I'm kind of with Gooch. I'd rather get punched in the face, but that's why I was a goalie. I don't really like confrontation, and so I, I like the protection of being like, you can't touch me. So I would just, I'd rather referee said uh, a big slap competition. Oh, yes. I would definitely love to. It's referee. intense, though. I've seen it. Could you could you com- could you commentate like would you would you be a good would you want to pa- uh, play by play or color commentate that oh for sure you know you get you know step back wind up with the with the fingers spread ever so slightly it happens uh, to make a little bit more aerodynamic of uh, of a hit She's there got, got red all over the face is it blood is it the inflammation <laughs> we're not sure but either way you know stoic. What? You got me thinking, is there a technique with slapping someone's face? Because you brought up aerodynamics. Yeah. And it's like, do you go flat way and then yeah. turn your hand yeah. like right when you're about to make contact just to get a little, just to kind right. of cut off some yeah. resistance? Do you flex the thumb so it's leading yeah. with, with that little bed in underneath your finger there? Because I got to think if you're slapping hard enough and you hit it the wrong way, you're going to snap some do fingers you bring right it from at the, the ankle. You know, you're coming down. And sure. Now, bring it now, over. So now, like a Lindsay, tennis racket, you know? Yeah. Now, Lindsay, I don't have to, I don't have to ask Willie because I know Willie's been there. But have you ever been up close and personal when someone got the taste slapped? I mean, slapped, yes. not punched, slapped. Yes. It is a different feeling when you're right next to it. And I'll never forget this. I was in high school. I was 14 years old. And I don't know if you remember what gleeking was. I, oh, man. Oh, man. I was a victim of gleeking. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, there was this kid, Willie. And uh, he, was, he was a short little kid, but there was another kid, Aaron, and Aaron was, like, way taller. And for some reason, Aaron had this New York Knicks jacket. And we're on the bus, oh and boy. Willie starts gleeking on Aaron's jacket, and Aaron doesn't know it. And he thinks it's funny. And, I mean, I'm telling him, I'm like, Willie, you better stop. Aaron, st- Aaron turns around. He goes, you gleeking on my jacket? And Willie goes, yeah, like, he's going to not, like, Aaron's not going to do anything. And, I mean, Aaron hauls back. And, I mean, he left a turkey right on his face. You could have took a pen, drew a beak right on that thumb, and you would have thought Thanksgiving right you know on the what side gleeking of is, Lindsay? I have no idea what gleeking is. I'll show you tonight. Okay. okay. It's, it's, <laughs> is that appropriate at the game? Well, you know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not nice. I was introduced to it. You know where? In Minnetonka. Oh. When I was the new kid and I walked out of class and my, the entire back of my pale powder blue shirt was filled with somebody else's saliva. Yeah, it's Daddy's money. You're yeah. spitting on someone. That's what gleeking was. Yeah. And it's, it's just a different way But it's a way of doing someone. it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn around and do it against the wall. You'll see tonight. Listen, I, I, I can't believe you just brought back. We brought up <laughs> anger about rock and roll. Now you brought up a painful childhood memory. I'm angry all over again. But when we come back, we got Houston Texan reporter Cody Davis 
We're going to talk some Texans. We might talk a little bit of some other stuff that's going on in Houston. They, the Rockets are underway. The Astros are involved in some ALCS. It's Gooch. It's Willie. We're throwing the flag. We are at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN Las Vegas. Does it take away from being able to instill somewhat of a grittiness, nastiness to your football team? I still think there's a lot of things we can do that would fall into that category. You know, I, I think in that one instance, yeah, you have to. we have to change the way we've coached those things over the years, no question about it. Um, you know, and you, we've all seen hits that are probably on the borderline of being flagged or they get flagged. And uh, sometimes players don't care about that because it does. It sends a let's call it a physical message. I think you can do that in other ways. I think, you know, defending the run, I think swarming to the ball, I think tackling people legally, uh, finishing the right way and doing it, you know, clean. Uh, within the confines of the rules. I think all of that's still within our ability to do that. I think, you know, it's the one area that we're we're obviously going to be very cautious about doing something, you know, to a degree where we get fouled. Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. ACDC bringing us back. Josh McDaniels, he was, that was an answer to my question because I had uh, – he was actually I, – I talked to him about – I asked him a question regarding Frank Hawkins on the show last week in, a, in, in that did the Raiders not have that old-school toughness, that grittiness of the old-school grimy, nasty, silver and black 70s, 80s Raiders. And I ended up doing a story yesterday um, with Frank Hawkins quoted um, – Eric Allen, Mike Haynes, some of the old Raiders, and then some of the new guys in talking about how they approach that. So they got a big game coming up tomorrow, Gooch. Uh, both one-win teams, both coming off a bye. Joining us now on ESPN Las Vegas from Houston, Texans reporter, also covers the Rockets, Cody Davis. Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, guys. I'm happy to be a part of the show today. <laughs> are you coming in town? Or are you, uh, are you, are you going to come in for the game? Uh, no, sir. Unfortunately, I won't be there last night. Um, I had well, I had to stay in Houston um, because the you know, Houston Rockets had their um, home opener against the um, Memphis Grizzlies. So I decided to stay back um, and cover that game. Right. So I'll be covering the Houston Texans game, but you know from afar. <laughs> and we'll get to the Texans momentarily. Last night you tweeted, "Welcome to the Jalen Green and Ja Morant show." I remember Green <laughs> from his AAU days, and he's fun to watch. But Morant, man, Ja Morant is a special guy isn't he oh yeah you know last night him and Jalen Green was going back and forth all the way up until like the fourth quarter and um that's when experience once again actually came into play and um was able to you know send the Houston Rockies into their um second consecutive loss and you know Jalen Green that is one special guy and all I keep saying me and my colleagues the fact that you know whenever he gets that experience he's really going to take off you know, speaking of John Morant real quick, you see him in the style of play that he does, and he's not a very big guy. He's only 6'3", 174 pounds. Derrick Rose was 6'3", 200 pounds, and they both kind of play similar. How is the sky the limit? Can John Morant be the next upper echelon player, be the next face of the league? Because it definitely looks like that if he could stay healthy. Yeah, most John Morant you know, dropped 49 on the Rockets last night. It, it was remarkable. And even after the game, um, Coach Steven Silas actually talked about it. And because um, going into the game, you know, the number one plan was to just cloud the pain. And, 
you know, they had an opportunity to do that to start the game. And next thing you know, you look up, and he was connecting out of five or six shots. And I know you mentioned Derrick Rose. I always say one of the things that might hurt Derrick Rose, you know, of course, before he got hurt was the fact that um, he wasn't that great of a jump shooter. Um, you could say the same thing for John Moran, but it seems like from these first two games that John Moran has really taken the time out to uh, work on his jump shots. And once he becomes a solid threat from beyond the arc, you're working with a whole type of different monster right there. <laughs> Cody, you're on the Rockets beat. You cover the Texans. You're going to be covering them from afar tomorrow. But got to ask you a little bit. I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you're down there. You're in the mix of everything. Astros and Yankees in the ALCS. Is this series over, even though it's gone back to the Bronx? <laughs> yes, sir. This series has to be over. I mean, anytime you have your manager talking about you, you only lost this game because the roof was open, like, what, <laughs> what is that? Like, Really, that's the kind of excuse you're going to use? I don't I don't get it. You know, at that point, I think it's more so of a mental aspect with the Yankees. Um, you know, the Astros have had their numbers for, what, the last four, five years. And, you know, anytime you start talking about you off the game because the roof was open, then, yeah, it's, it's mental at that point. ESPN Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. We're speaking with Texans beat reporter Cody Davis. And let's talk about the game tomorrow that you can hear on 92.3. That's where the broadcast will be. So the Texans are under their first year with Lovey Smith. He's had some success, obviously, with Chicago, getting them to the Super Bowl years ago. But what are your thoughts on him now with the Texans? Well, Lovey Smith, he's in an interesting situation. And the way I look at Smith, he is the guy that was hired to get this franchise back on track. Because, look, I'm pretty sure you guys know the last two to three years with the Houston Texans, there's been a – it's been a circus, to say the least, you know. And it seems like Lovey Smith was here to bring um, a sense of stability to the Texans, and that is what I have been able to get from the first five games um, into the regular season, and even before then, because, you know, prior to Lovey Smith becoming the head coach of the Texans, you know, there was always like some type of circus going on, whether it's the Deshaun Watson factor, the Jack Easterby factor. Um, even when they hired David Cully and we all were sitting here questioning, why are you hiring David Cully when you had multiple more qualified candidates to choose from? Um, with Lovey Smith coming in, like I mentioned, he was a head coach that can actually bring some stability to the Texans. And unfortunately, even though it hasn't resulted in a lot of wins, you can see that the impact that Lovey Smith has had on this franchise is really helping the Houston Texans both on and off the field. You know, the red zone defense has been outstanding, complete opposite of the Raiders. Raiders have the worst red zone defense in terms of touchdown conversion in the National Football League. Houston has an upper echelon red zone D. What have you liked on the whole and coming on the road, you know, against a hungry Raiders team, an offensive mind like McDaniels, how do you see an offensive mind like Josh McDaniels against a defensive mind like Levy Smith? Um, I, it's hard to say. You know, the one thing I would say is the fact that, you know, when you look at the um, Texans' red zone defense, there has been a lot of guys. Levy Smith always preached about going out there and having his defense make plays on the ball. And rather it's Derek Stanley, rather it's Jalen Peachy, rather it's Jonathan Owens, you know, he has – so many players, when you get down in that red zone, that's what they do. They make plays on the ball. As a matter of fact, in terms of Derek Stingley, um, he has three pass deflections, and two out of the three pass deflections that he has has came in the red zone to, to, to prevent a touchdown. And when, when I take a look at what 
the Raiders have on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you guys are a team that has the opportunity to move the ball down the field, and it's going to be real crucial to make sure that Lovey Smith continues to preach making plays on the ball, you know, especially going up against one of, if not the best wide receiver, and Devontae Adams, you know, and it seems like the Raiders are a team where, you know, it's kind of like the Texans, you know, if if it, if it wasn't for a penalty, if it wasn't for this bad call, or wasn't for this bad play, um, the Raiders could easily be um, four and one right now, other than one and four. And you know, you could kind of say the same thing for the Houston Texans as well. But you know, part of the reason why the Texans have only lost by an average margin of somewhere in the ballpark to six to seven points per game is the fact that they have been able to prevent teams from scoring in the red zone like they would hope to. Speaking to. Cody Davis from Houston. He is covering the Texans. He covers the Rockets. He's got the bead on all of the Houston sports scene. So, Brevin Jordan, he's been dinged up to start the season, but locals here in Vegas love their hometown athletes right now. Bryson Stott in the National League Championship Series. Bryce Harper with the Philadelphia Phillies. Big Brev has returned to town. They upgraded him yesterday. I saw he was a full participant on the injury report. Are we going to see Brevin Jordan on National Tight End Day? And how has Houston sort of responded to this young talent? Has he become a little bit of a favorite there? Uh, he was at one point, but the only thing is his second season has not gone as planned. Um, he had a so-so game on the season opener against the Indianapolis Colts, but um, that was the game he sustained an ankle injury. He tried to play against the Denver Broncos, and it wasn't really working. Then he ended up missing the last three games. And, you know, going into this season, Brevin Jordan was looked at as a guy who, if he wasn't tight end number one, he was definitely tight end number two on this team. However, given the fact that you have had some production from O.J. Howard, given the fact that Jordan Aikens has actually been the best tight end for the Houston Texans ever since they elevated him, off the practice squad due to the injury of Brevin Jordan. When he comes back, I'm not sure that the Houston Texans are going to have an opportunity to utilize Brevin Jordan like we all once thought heading into the season because not only has he been um, so-so not as productive like we all hope, and not only is he coming back from the injury, but Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans, they have this policy to where if they have a player coming off an injury, they're going to – um, they're going to speed him back up into gameplay um, slower, you know, rather than just throwing him out there. So, you know, I know you guys love Brevin Jordan out there, but do not be surprised if you guys don't see him as much being a factor for the Houston Texans in this game. Moving forward with the Texans, even past this season, you got Lovey Smith. And, again, I like that hire. A lot of people were questioning it. I really like that hire, getting an older guy in there, somebody with experience, getting these young guys up and running, all on the same page. But moving forward, you guys are going to have so many draft picks. You have Cleveland's <laughs> first-round first draft pick. You're going to – you know, Texans aren't necessarily in, the, in a – good win-loss situation right now so they're probably going to have a high draft pick as well Cleveland's almost in the same situation there's a lot this team could turn around very quickly oh yeah and you know you you mentioned the the draft picks that the Texans have and that's part of the reason why I was kind of hoping that um Davis Mills actually pan out and was the player that we saw in the last five games of the season because you know ever since the departure of Deshaun Watson the Texans have been very adamant about giving Davis Mills a fair chance to 
go out there on the field and showcase that he can be the starting quarterback for this organization for not just 2022, but hopefully beyond. Unfortunately, the first five games of the season, it seems like Davis Mills has regressed, and it seems like, you know, that's hurting him. Um, I, I say all that just to say, you know, when you look at the draft picks, you know, there are multiple holes that the Houston Texans still got to fill. I mean, it seems like they need to go out in the draft and try to find another playmaker with their wide receiving core. It seems like they need to find another defensive lineman to go out there and beef, beef up their the, the defensive line unit. However, with all that being said, because Davis Mills isn't paying out, now you got to focus on whether or not which quarterback you're going to draft next year because we all know that next year's quarterback draft classes it's pretty good to say the least. And, you know, it just seems like because Davis Mills isn't panning out as of right now, the Texans are probably going to use one of those first-round picks to draft a quarterback like a Bryce Young, like CJ, or whoever the case might be. However, I would have preferred, you know, Davis Mills panning out and you had an opportunity to address multiple positions beyond the quarterback room in hopes of getting the team back where they were prior to the fiasco that started taking place ever since they blew that big lead against Kansas City in 2020 or 2019. Once again, talking to Cody Davis, the beat reporter locked on Texans, insider Rockets. You can follow him at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's C-O-T-Y. So, Cody, before we get you out of here, because we're up against it, we've been asking mm-hmm. everybody today, two-part question. Thursday was National Chicken and Waffle Day. My co-host on Thursday's show, we, we, we battled it out whether or not he was a chicken and waffle guy. He was not. Yesterday we talked about a little bit. Today we're asking the guests two-part. Number one, are you a chicken and waffle guy? It doesn't sound like you travel a lot. You, tra- you, you cover stuff there, and so you watch from afar. So for, th- for those sports fans that may be headed to Houston, where is the go-to spot that they have to try for any kind of food in Houston? I know – you know, there's different there's different delicacies for Houston specialties. Chicken and waffle guy, and where are we coming to eat in Houston? <laughs> um, I hate to say this, but I am not a chicken and waffle guy. I always say those two things should not um, go together. You know, waffles to me that's breakfast breakfast food, chicken that's more like lunch, um, dinner food. So I'm not a chicken and waffles guy. As for, you know, where to eat in Houston, I would say any place that has barbecue. I know some people might believe that Kansas City uh, has the best barbecue. They do not. It's right here in Texas. Texas. And if you want some great barbecue, just find any barbecue restaurant here in the city of Houston, and I guarantee you, you would not regret it. All right, there you go. There you have it. Cody Davis. Cody, I appreciate you joining us, spending some time. Getting ready, us getting us ready for the Houston, Texas invasion of Allegiant Stadium. Uh, what do you got coming up, real quick, Cody? Where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore twenty four. Once again, at Cody C O T Y D A D I S underscore twenty four. Um, coming up, of course, I'll be having a lot on the Texans versus Raiders game to see whether or not one of these teams can actually make this their get right game. Um, especially for the Raiders because, it's, like I mentioned, it seems like you guys are always like a penalty away, a call away, or just one play away from being. Um, four and one, uh, and like I mentioned, almost the same thing as the Texans. And then on the Rockets side, you know, just getting ready for the Rockets um, back-to-back game as they face off against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. All right, Cody Davis, we appreciate you joining us. Gooch and Willie, <laughs> throw the flag. We're back to close it out.
But you got to give Jalen Rose, Chase Young, man, two lefties. Slightly? I mean, I'm saying slightly. I'm just saying, okay. I mean, Juwan Howard was not what a, not a bum. No, it wasn't a bum at all. It was good. Right. But, but I'm going to. The biggest discrepancy is Chris Webber versus whoever they had as a big man. I think I think, I think think LJ would have to guard him. You forget LJ in college was a athletic freak. He, he was Zion. Yeah, but he's 6'8". And? Chris Webber, 6'11". Okay. And? Too little. Hmm. I know Grandma had all them popcorn muscles. He did. The, the, the part down the middle. Yeah. I rocked it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I had my part down the middle because of him. All right. I'll, I will tell you this. I, it's easy. You take the Rebs, and here's why. Here's why. Because I went with the Nope. Nope. Because they were grown-ass men. Okay. Okay. Different. Okay. Okay. A lot. Of, hey, they were 20, 21, 20, 20 years old. And, and, and they, these are teenagers. And they probably was held back in college. Maybe, well, they went to, high a school, couple they, of them went to junior college and all that stuff. I, I, look, bottom line is they were older and true. they were physically, they were just physically a, they were like an NBA team. People forget how good they were, man. That's they true. were good. What's the coach used to bite on the tile? Jerry Tarkanian. Yeah. yeah. Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Happy there you go. Throw the flag. Final flag. Saying goodbye to you from the Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle, Willie Ramirez Gooch. And that was Bart Scott and Alan Hahn, Bart and Hahn debating on ESPN over what was one of the best college basketball teams. They were comparing the 91 Rebels to the Fab Four, Michigan's Fab Four. And the idea that this was even a conversation is ridiculous to me. Well, it's always that that seems to be that's always been one of the debates is that back to back final those back to back final four teams versus the Fab Five, the Michigan group, you know, and then and then they'll start bringing up other great college basketball teams from the past. But that seems to be because they were they were near one another. Yeah. So that's always been an argument. Uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and Josh Dubow from AP. UNLV grad, Michigan grad, whenever they're in the same press box, that seems to be the debate. There's no debate. No, the Rebels not. won a championship. They won a championship. Well, so debate Michigan. over. Well, so did Michigan. But the fact of the matter is. Not the Fab Five? I thought they won one no. and then lost on the timeout. No. Oh, well. They never won one. Well. So argument over. Even if they did win one. They're, 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 that's just that's just ludicrous. You're not just. I'm sorry. I, I and you know what? It's yes, it's personal. Yes, it's biased. But I'm still going to put that UNLV team and not the team that won the championship, the team yes. that lost to Duke. That was. I'm a putting squad. that up against any. That was a squad. Five. That was a squad. Yeah, I so. love how we started the show off with ludicrous, and then we're ending the show with, with something ludicrous. that's ludicrous. Yeah. So hey, check it out. Uh, Lindsay and I are going to be back tomorrow because I believe she is on the board with me tomorrow. But I am taking over the Sunday football preview, bringing in the NFL week at the Westgate. So make sure you tune in from 8 to 9. Come on down from 9 to 10. Going to have – and I believe you used to do yeah. some, some like, ushering people into the theater type I, stuff. Uh, actually, I do – during the games from 9 to noon, I'm over in the theater, the oh, International so Theater. So I will see you tomorrow. Oh, so we will be. So so the yes. team will be back tomorrow. So the, yes. you see what they're doing with this weekend team. Mm -hmm. Something's working. Something's building. Something must be working. I don't know. What's yeah, up? Well, Do I got to get an agent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, big thank you to all of our guests. Ashley Vice. she started us off talking Golden Knights. Golden Knights at T-Mobile tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 covering everything under the sun with Las Vegas. 
Um, and then we had Paloma Villacana from South Bend. Live, right? UNLV Notre Dame's coming up. Big game for the Rebels. Not sure that they can pull it off, but hey, if they can at least hang in there, that would be great. And we close it out with Cody Davis previewing the Texans and the Raiders. That's tomorrow from Allegiant. Full packed weekend of sports for Las Vegas fans. So get involved, get excited, get hyped. Get down here to Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. They got the kiosk, they got a fantastic kitchen. Make sure you join me. And I guess Gooch will be out there to take care of the party. We're going to be at the Westgate Monday. Cofield and I will be at Twin Peaks. We will be recapping the weekend. Talking and, and you know what? That's a busy night for me. I will be at Twin Peaks from 2 to 5, 5 to 7 watch party, and then I'm shooting the T-Mobile for their game against the Maple Leafs. So real busy. Busy night is always your style. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I what, what is, what's new? I don't, I, I don't know, even know how many suits <laughs> I'm going to go through this weekend. Hey, we're going to see you next week. It's Gooch. It's Willie. James on my right, Lindsey quarterback in the show. Throw the flag right here, ESPN Las Vegas.